Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. You are Locked On Bulls. Your daily podcast on the Chicago Bulls. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, TuneIn, Google Play. Make sure you leave us a five-star review on iTunes. If you have any basketball questions or advertising inquiries, send them to us at LockedOnBulls at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at LockedOnBulls. Like us on Facebook at LockedOnBulls. We are presented today by SeatGeek. Make sure you use the promo code LOBULLS, L-O-B-U-L-L-S, in the free SeatGeek app to get $20 back off when you make your first purchase. I'm Sean Hyken of The Athletic. With me, as always, Cody Westerland of 670 The Score. Cody, the, in- the injury-free streak is over. Eight days into camp. The Bulls had a good training camp so far, cruising along in the uh, department of staying away from drama. Uh, this isn't exactly drama, but it is a challenge and a hurdle. Denzel Valentine. The rookie first-round pick will be out two weeks with a sprained left ankle that he rolled in the third quarter of Monday night's preseason uh, opening loss to the Bucks. Denzel, after the game, indicated he didn't think it was too serious, called it a mild ankle sprain. After further evaluation from Bulls doctors on Tuesday, out two weeks at least, it sounds like, from Fred Hoiberg's uh, perspective. That's what he said uh, today at practice. And they, they don't seem like they're concerned about it being a long-term thing. Fred said that they are hopeful that he'll be able to play the last two exhibition games and then be able to get going for the season. But, yeah, he's out two weeks. When he did, when he came over to talk to us, he had a brace on that ankle. He, looked, he was definitely walking with a limp. It was not really, uh, he didn't look comfortable, which obviously he sprained that ankle less than 24 hours ago, so of course he wasn't. But uh, it just, he, he it's it, this is a setback for the Bulls. As much as you hate to think for a team that could be a playoff team having to rely on a rookie to play big minutes, we talked about this last night on the pod we recorded after the game with Mike Singer, which you should go check out, but... He looked more comfortable running the point when Rondo was off the floor than Jaron Grant or Spencer Dinwiddie did. And he's Fred indicated today that once he gets back on the court, Denzel is going to get a lot of minutes with the ball in his hands, kind of initiating the offense on the second unit. So not having him for the next couple of weeks of camp is not ideal. It's definitely a setback. Yeah, you know, Fred, I mean, he's been he's praised Denzel, but I think he... I think behind the scenes he might be a little bit more excited about Denzel than he's even letting on because you never want to make rookie expectations too high and you do know there's going to be inconsistencies. I mean, we've been around the NBA long enough just watching it to know that, covering it. Fred's been around basketball long enough to know that with young guys. But Denzel does a lot of things. Like, he's a Fred Hoiberg-type player. I mean, that was a draft pick with Fred Hoiberg's offense in mind, four-year college player. But someone's so comfortable with the ball in his hands. And I know, again, this sounds kind of elementary, but... Like, he just made the right decisions in that preseason opening game. Like, three or four times he just beat his guy off the dribble, made the right pass if he didn't set up the shot, had the offense flowing because of what he was doing. And that's more than some of the other Bulls, basically the rest of the second unit Bulls, couldn't do that very well. It was kind of bad. So Denzel was kind of a highlight there 
uh, on the second unit just with his decision making. And yeah, you know, I think in an ideal world, you want when you invest in first round draft picks, and this goes to Doug McDermott too, um, from the Bulls drafting him in 2014, the Bulls drafting Bobby Portis in 2015 in the first round. You invest in these guys, those are the guys you want to step up. And it was, again, eight days in the season, but Denzel was doing that. Well, but there are some guys that teams draft just because they're the best talent on the board. Mm-hmm. And they can say, okay, this is going to take a few years to work out. Like, remember in 2014 when Masai Ujiri drafted Bruno Caboclo, the Brazilian kid, that was not even in the brochure of draft prospect names they gave us at the Bulls media party. That's an all-timer. And everybody said, he's two years away from being two years away. That was the line on him. And uh, it, it was just one of those kinds of things where Masai believed in his talent but knew he wasn't going to be ready to contribute right away. And there are certainly guys like that in the draft. Denzel was clearly, you know, they said this after they drafted him. This was the read on him as a prospect before the draft. They said this at the press conference, that he said this out in Vegas. The reason that they drafted him, or one of the reasons they drafted him, is because he's ready. He's a four-year college guy who played under Tom Izzo, one of the smartest coaches in the league with a reputation of getting guys ready for the NBA. He is ready to contribute right now. And Before the ankle injury he had last night, he showed that. Yeah, and the thing, too, I mean, just a few specifics on it, he could be out longer than two weeks. Right. This is, is the other that's thing. That's just what they said in that's terms the best of... That's they said They said around two weeks. And so Fred said that he's hopeful he's going to be able to play the last couple of exhibition games. But obviously, two weeks is a long time for something to go wrong in his rehab. I, I would assume they're going to take a pretty cautious approach with it. Because one thing that Fred said today is once they get him back, they want to have him back for the rest of the season. So they're not going to rush things. If he decides he's not ready for another few days after that two-week timeline is up... They're not going to force him to play. Yeah, and that second-to-last preseason game is on Monday, October 17th, I believe, which would be two weeks from when he injured it. Right. And then I believe the finale is on October 20th. A few days later, and the regular season starts a week later. So, I mean, it's very possible he doesn't play again in the preseason. I mean, that's it's kind of going back to the Tom Thibodeau era, like the Mike Dunleavy things all the time. I mean, a couple years ago and then last year, I suppose, too, sometimes when he was injured. Like, everything always gets pushed back with, I guess, Hashtag Bulls doctors or Bulls medical staff at times. I know they. Well, hey, they have a new. They have a new. They have a. Uh, they have a new uh, training staff. Very now. true with Chip Schaefer uh, leading the way a little bit more, but um, yeah. So we'll keep an eye on that. But yeah, that is a. Uh, that's kind of a bummer for the Bulls. I mean, Denzel Valentine. He, he played in a lot of big games too at Michigan State. Made some big right. plays. Um, they were kind of counting on him. Uh, just to step up here in the preseason. They wanted to play a lot of young guys, a lot, of course. But So now we're going to see Jaron Grant and Spencer Dinwiddie probably get a lot more minutes. Spencer didn't get in, really, until the fourth quarter last night. It seemed like Fred's plan until Denzel got hurt was that Jaron Grant was going to get the backup point guard minutes last night. And then I would imagine would have imagined that all of those minutes were going to go to Dinwiddie in this next game just to give him a longer look and just kind of give both of them a fair shot. But it seemed like Denzel really was more impressive than either one of them. So now it looks like both of them are just going to get a lot more of a look. Yeah, and I thought Jaron Grant was a little choppy and just a little energetic and not quite poised enough bringing the ball up the floor when it was in his hands. It's like, it kind of felt like a youngster getting the ball with someone way quicker on him, hounding him on defense than they realized before. And again, I know he didn't play a lot last year for the Knicks, and he's still adjusting the NBA level in his second year, kind of like Bobby Portis, same draft class there. But it, it just felt a little too sped up for him when he had the ball. I thought he looked pretty comfortable when he was go, you know, creating his own offense off the dribble. He... Uh, when he doesn't have to pass, right? No, exactly. Like I think, I think he, I think he's. I see him as more. Maybe he'll learn some of the more, you know, ball handling and 
distribution stuff over time. He's still a very young player, but I felt like he's the kind of guy that you're going to see more looking to create his own offense, and that's where he'll be comfortable than as a distributor. I think Spencer Dinwiddie did a little better at, than he did as a distributor, but I think Denzel did better than both of them at both things. Yeah, and the Bulls will have their next preseason game on uh, Thursday. Thursday in Indiana. Uh, at the Pacers, so those will be uh, just some of the storylines to watch along that front. Uh, in the city of Chicago, a big storyline. None bigger right now, as much as we love the Bulls, probably is everyone on the edge of their seat for the Chicago Cubs playoff opener. That's true, Cody. And what if I want to buy tickets to see the Cubs? You would want to go to SeatGeek because baseball season, baseball playoffs are in full swing. Basketball starting up, football started up. And SeatGeek's the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the games you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being in the stadium or the arena for the biggest plays of the year. And with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the seats you want for great value. SeatGeek has the best deals on every ticket in the house. Wherever you want to sit, whether it's a 50-yard line behind home plate, at center court, in the club seats, or upper level. I have SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, just with a few clicks. You can instantly find seats for this weekend's games, the Cubs playoff game, Game 1 Friday. Game 2, Saturday at Wrigley, uh, hosting the NLDS series. Next Bulls preseason home game, Saturday against the Pacers. Yeah, basketball's more your thing instead of Game 2 of the Cubs playoffs. You can go to find that on SeatGeek as well. You always have the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek always has the lowest price available, and it gets you the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. It's a deal score. You'll immediately find underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals to fit your budget. What you need to do is go download the SeatGeek app on your phone. Go to Settings tab and click Add a Promo Code. That's where we come into play. Enter promo code LOBULLS, L-O-B-U-L-L-S, and SeatGeek will send you $20 back after you've made your first ticket purchase. SeatGeek, the easiest way to buy and sell tickets. Wanted to get to a couple questions from our intrepid listeners and Twitter followers. And again, if you're not a regular listener, make sure you subscribe to us and leave us a five-star review. Um, Two questions, kind of similar here. Mm -hmm. Uh, One from Antonio Belisle via Twitter, and we're at LockedOnBulls. And Matt had a similar question via email, and we're at LockedOnBulls at gmail.com. But they both basically ask, what indications have there been from the Bulls changing their defensive philosophy? What new principles will Fred Hoiberg implement with new guys like Rondo, Wade, Lopez? I'll admit, Sean, preseason opener, it's the first time we saw the Bulls in action because we don't really see hardly any of practice, certainly not the defensive schemes of it. <laughs> really, to me, most of it that I paid hard attention to was Robin Lopez. It didn't look a whole lot different from the Bulls' defensive uh, coverages from last season on the first year under Hoiberg and even dating back to Tibbs last year where they weren't very aggressive. Lopez stayed back much like Pau Gasol, but I mean, just what did you see up there on the court? They, I mean, they, I was not impressed by what they were doing defensively <laughs> last night. They, I mean, this, this Bucks team that they played, they gave up 55 points in the first half to the Bucks, and this is a Bucks team that's missing Chris Middleton, who's one of their best shooters. They don't, a lot of their guys, I mean, they have a lot of length, they have a lot of athleticism, but a lot of those guys on the team, Giannis, uh, John Henson, they're not really known as scorers. Yeah, Jabari's not even an outside shooter guy yet no. either, and he's one of their best offensive players. No, they gave up a lot of open threes. Yeah, a lot too many corner threes. 
Um, Hungarian Jordan on the athletic. Stefano, my colleague, you should. He wrote a great piece this morning about some of the defensive uh, changes, adjustments that Fred Hoiberg is going to make. Uh, he, you know, breaks down a lot of video and stuff. Uh, it's a really good piece. You should check it out. And if you don't have access to the athletic, you should go and get a subscription. But what he pointed out that was interesting was he said the Bulls were more aggressive when Bobby Portis was defending the pick and roll. Uh, they had him trap a little more, hedge a little bit more, show a little bit more, and there's some terminology there. Show and hedge are kind of the same thing in the NBA. A lot of times if you show or hedge, you know, you're just sticking your body out there and getting the primary ball handler kind of out of sorts. So you're not double teaming. It's a quick show and then recover, but it's a little bit more aggressive than just sitting back and letting the guy go around the screen roll. So he was pointing out the Bulls were more aggressive with Bobby Portis, a few other big men, not Robin Lopez, as we point out, who will be their starting center, who they hope to get 82 games of uh, being a defensive anchor out of. But that led to more corner threes, more open threes, because the problem, the more aggressive you are defensively, the more you have to be tied together, recovering, um, just for other players on your team, other defenders. And that's the challenge for the Bulls. When you have... Projected eight new players on this roster, many of them, several of them, who are going to have big roles, and you haven't played defense together before, and then you're changing the defensive system too, and asking them to recover a lot, that's going to be problematic. Early returns last night, it seemed kind of bad. So, I mean, I guess to get to the crux of their question or or the argument there is the Bulls might be a little bit more aggressive. We'll have to keep an eye on this, Sean. I mean, Mm -hmm. do you think they'll continue being more aggressive with some people? Do you think they'll change with Robin Lopez at all as the season goes on, or do you think they want to? station him near the hoop. I think that's where his strength is, is as a rim protector. So I think they're going to try to station him there. But as far as the other guys being a little bit more aggressive in, in, you know, in trapping and stuff, I, I think that's something they're going to try. We'll see how well they execute it on a consistent basis. Yeah, they got a lot of young guys, and that's the thing. And they don't have, I mean, let's be real, they don't have defense-first young guys. Denzel Valentine, Bobby Portis, and Doug McDermott, uh, were lauded in college for their offensive abilities, their ability with the ball, for being hard workers, especially like in the case of Bobby. But And all three of those guys he, try on defense. Even Doug McDermott, who's a, not a good defender at all, he at least, it's not for lack of effort. He just has no idea what to do. Yeah, they're not. The de- defense isn't in their DNA. That's not what they do best. So when you're being more aggressive with guys who aren't defense first, that's a bigger challenge than it was previously. And again, the Bulls with their defensive system last year were, I believe, about 15th in the NBA in defensive efficiency. Uh, So not good, not bad, just average. Um, It didn't kill them, but it also obviously didn't help them make the playoffs there. So that's where you got to think, how are you going to do this? But the problem was last year, the Bulls didn't force turnovers. They were last in the NBA in forcing turnovers under Fred Hoiberg in his rookie coaching season. And under Tibbs, they would often rank in the latter half or towards the back enforcing turnovers, but that was okay because that was part of the system. They were so good at taking away the three-point line, at forcing mid-range jump shots, rebounding, and just being efficient as a defense that that was kind of part of it. Don't gamble. But then when you become average and don't force turnovers, then the other team's more efficient and you're not getting run out. So I think the thought process for Fred is obviously be more aggressive on defense, get some turnovers, Maybe that helps in transition. You know what I mean? Right. Maybe get out and run a little bit more. So that will be something to note as the preseason goes on, just how they approach that. Um, Did want to get to another question from Benjamin on Twitter, and we appreciate this one. Um, Made us think a little bit, but he asks, 
Who are the Bulls' most tradable assets, Sean? Well, the obvious answer is Jimmy Butler if they want to completely blow things up. But, I mean, with what they did in the offseason, I just don't think that's really realistic. So then you have to look kind of further down the roster, and you're looking at some of the young guys who may have some value around the league still. Bobby Portis, uh, Denzel Valentine, Nico Miritich, uh, Doug McDermott. And they have they have all their own first-round picks. They also have the Kings pick, which I believe is top 10 protected this year. And then if they don't get it, then it becomes two uh, second-rounders next year. But the Bulls are really not in the position where they can afford to be trading away first-round picks unless you're getting back a star like a Paul George or a DeMarcus Cousins. And if those guys go on the market, I can't see the Bulls having enough stuff to really put together a package for those. Yeah, you mentioned, I mean, I don't see... Jimmy Butler going anywhere anytime soon at all. Like it would have to be a disastrous season, I think, this season for that to happen. Um, they do like Jimmy again. Value contract, really hard worker, two way player. Uh-huh. Um, Doug needs to prove more. Still, like Doug and Nico are kind of in that same category where they in their third year now, and they need to prove a lot more. I think Doug's trajectory, obviously, lately is a little bit more upward. Than Nico, I'm a lot less worried about Doug than I am about Nico. Doug last night got a lot of open looks from three, and he just missed them. And that's just the kind of thing. He's such a good shooter. That's gonna that's gonna come around at some point. Nico looked lost sometimes, and he has at times during the last couple of seasons. We just haven't seen him get that kind of consistency that we've been looking for from him. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, I'm not meaning to say Doug's a two way player or anything yet, but he is consistent in the context of. He was sixth in the NBA in three-point shooting last year. Like When he was open on a night-to-night basis, when you put him out there, you could count on Doug, if he got looks, if he got shots, that he was going to be good at making that. Like Not an all-around consistent player, but within one breath of the game, he was consistent. Nico isn't even consistent in any one thing on a night-to-night basis. So I feel like there's a little bit more of a building block there with Doug because he is doing something, generally speaking, well every single night. And you can kind of game plan around that. And again, I think that was that ties back to the Derrick Rose thing with Fred Hoiberg. He, he couldn't necessarily count on Derrick Rose to play every night, so it was hard to game plan every single night. It makes it easier to game plan when you know you got a guy like Jimmy Butler who will run through a wall for 82 games for you and average 20, 21 points doing it. When you have someone like Doug McDermott, you know, in XYZ, whatever role you want to put him in, he can make open three-pointers and will be consistent doing that nightly if the rest of the offense, you know, can help him get those shots. But, um, I mean, anything else on the, in that regard, just tradable assets that you chime in with or, or anything in that regard? There's really not much. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, it depends on what kind of return you're trying to get. If you're looking for a star, you have to put everything on the table. I don't think the Bulls really have enough to get a star, whichever one might be available. If you're just looking for, like, a secondary player contributor, you know, you might be able to get, you know... A, something with Taj Gibson's expiring contract, which is probably the most likely-to-be-moved asset that they have because he's making about $9 million this year. He's a free agent at the end of the season. He's the kind of guy you can plug him on to any team. He's so versatile. He can play both front court positions. He plays both ends of the floor. He's a great teammate. He's a hard worker. He plays through injuries. They might be able to get something back for him, but I think at this point, especially with how shaky the defense was last year, if they trade Taj, like... I don't know what they're going to do on the defensive end. So I don't really see that happening unless the season just completely falls apart and they want to just cut bait. Yeah, and uh, you 
I mean, just in the context of Denzel Valentine, I mean, that's a guy with great trade value at this point, not a guy the Bulls have any intention of moving right. in any type of deal. They like him. They want to they play with him several seasons, see what he brings to the system and team. But, I mean, if you're just asking most value, you know, Jimmy's up there, and then Denzel Valentine is probably high on that list, too, um, for the Bulls. But I believe the Bulls have gone eight consecutive days now. We're speaking on Tuesday evening, and they currently... We're planning on practicing Wednesday, I believe, before Thursday's preseason game at Indiana. Fred He's Horvath coaching them harder. Continuing to run a, uh, a tough ship there uh, early in training camp and then early in the preseason. So we'll keep you updated uh, on all that as much as we can, see what comes out of Wednesday practice. Uh, Bulls go Thursday, Saturday, the rest of this week for preseason Both games. Both against the Pacers. Bulls against Pacers. Get to see Paul George a couple times. Miles Turner, pretty excited about him. Some of those new additions that the Pacers have, uh, Thad Young, Jeff Teague, Al Jefferson. Yep, so uh, we'll keep you updated on all that, as Old always. Old Fred Hoiberg favorite, George Niang, also, Ames Mafia. There you go, there you go. He should get a, plenty of minutes, too, it being preseason, and uh, needing to kind of prove himself there. But uh, we'll keep you updated on all that, as always. Follow myself on Twitter, at Cody Westerlin. Follow Sean, at Hiken, And follow us, at Locked on Bulls. Most of all, subscribe to us. That's right. We are on iTunes. Make sure you leave us a five-star review there. Uh, we're also on Stitcher, Audio Boom, TuneIn, Google Play. Sure, you email us with any advertising uh, inquiries or basketball questions at lockedonbulls at gmail.com. Thanks again to SeatGeek for sponsoring today's episode. Uh, remember to use the promo code LOBULLS in the SeatGeek app to get $20 back when you make your first purchase. Subscribe to The Athletic to check out my work. Check out uh, 670thescore.com to check out Cody's work. And we will be back with you tomorrow. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99. And our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.